Welcome back to Seconds Flat. It is fantastic to be with you once again, and even better to welcome back the Robin to my Batman, the Kevin Love to my LeBron, Ben Sessions, off suspension, off the beach, back in Greenville. How you feeling, buddy? I'm good. I'm just glad you didn't call me the J.R. Smith to your LeBron. (laughs) Did you learn your lesson in your time off? You come back feeling like a new man. Yeah, this tan I got down at the beach just really gets me ready to do this podcast. I think I look a lot better for it. He's glistening tonight, ladies. Please send us your thoughts at our email address, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. And you're going to need that email address later in the show because we have a gift card giveaway. So pay attention. Giving away a $20 gift card from our sponsor, Run In. This is our summer heat edition of the Seconds Flat podcast, Mile 6. The heat, humidity, and high dew points have settled in here across the upstate. All we can think about has been maybe getting back to the beach or the pool. And what do you love to do on vacation but nestle in with a good book and a cold drink? And we're going to touch on the World Cup. It's that time again. Once every four years, Ben and I pay attention to European football. And we are going to give you all of our insights into this year's World Cup. But first, the latest news in track and field and road racing. Our good friend, guest on mile number four of the podcast, Ali Bukowski of Furman, recently signed with Brooks Beasts in Seattle. Ben, give us a little insight on the training group that she is joining. Yeah, the Brooks Beast is obviously a Brooks-sponsored group out in Seattle, Washington, where the Brooks headquarters is located. The group is coached by Danny Mackey, His wife is a member of that team who just recently made the indoor world team for the 3,000 meters. She's actually joined by two other collegians who signed to the group, Josh Kerr from New Mexico, who you may remember from that exciting 1,500 meter final at NCAAs, and Division II standout David Ribich of Western Oregon, who famously split a 355 anchor leg for the mile indoor on his school's winning distance medley relay. Yeah, a D2 sub-4 guy. That's some pretty good company she's got joining the team there. And we are going to wish nothing but the best for Allie on her venture in the Pacific Northwest. Also, last weekend in Duluth, Minnesota, at the world-famous Grandma's Marathon. Minnesota. It was Kellen Taylor dropping a 224.28. That is a big-time PR, around four minutes for her. And the seventh-best time all time from a United States female marathon runner. Great work by Kellen from the uh, Hoka 1-1 NAS elite team out of Flagstaff. But for me, the takeaway there is just how deep the 2020 Olympic women's marathon trials could be. If Shalane is still around, maybe she's retired by then, but obviously she's a front runner. Add to that Jordan Essay, Molly Huddle, Amy Cragg, Amy Hastings Cragg, Desi Linden, Sarah Hall, Gwen Jorgensen coming over from triathlon. That is quite a field that we could have in 2020 down in our neck of the woods in Atlanta, Georgia. We will be there for certain to watch that action. We will be closed that day. And coming up this weekend in California, we have the big daddy of endurance races, the Western States Endurance Race, 100.2 miles. Benjamin, break down what we're going to see this weekend at Western States. So in my opinion, on the men's side, it's going to be a four-man race. Front runner is Francois Dehaene. Uh, He's from France. He's pretty much the king of 100K plus distance races right now. He's tackled Western States twice before, once finishing 14th in 2015. That was the super hot year, and he ended up fading a ton in the second half of the race. In 2016, to be ready for the heat, he came out to California early to get acclimated to it, but he ended up overtraining and getting injured before the race even started. Um, So we're looking for him to tackle the race full force and try to get that cougar. Now, the next three guys I want to talk about are part of a training group based in Flagstaff, Arizona. They call themselves the Coconino Cowboys. 
this name comes from the Coconino National Forest, which houses the Grand Canyon. So these guys do a lot of their big training runs in the canyon, doing the rim-to-rim multiple times in their training blocks. The first guy I'm going to talk about in the group is Jared Hazen. Jared Hazen has probably the highest chance and best track record uh, to win this race out of the Coconino Cowboys. When he was 19 years old, he finished 14th in the race. And then in 2015, at the age of 20, he took third at Western State in a time of 15 hours and 37 minutes, which that puts him in the top 10 all time for the race. It was crazy. And everyone was freaking out about if he was the next big thing. A but precocious pup. A precocious pup. But he had some injuries kind of derail his career for a little bit. But now that he's with this training group, he's running healthy and strong. Uh, he had a really big finish at the Lake Sonoma 50 miler a couple months ago, only being beaten by another runner we'll talk about later who set a course record. The next cowboy I want to talk about is Tim Frericks. Tim Frericks destroyed races in 2017 against high levels of competition. He took the win at the Transylvania Ultramarathon and the 2017 North Face Endurance Challenge 50-mile championships. Now, I would have Frericks higher on my list, except he's been injured for March and April. Now, he's gotten in about 10 weeks of solid training now that you can go and view on Strava. He has that public. But... It's hard to tell if he'll be ready for the challenge with that long of a layoff. Now, the next guy I want to talk about. He's probably the most exciting guy in ultramarathoning to me right now. Dude with a lot of guts who's not afraid to lay it all on the line. And it's paid dividends, and it's bit him in the butt. This guy's name is Jim Walmsley. Jim's Walm... Jim Walmsley. Jim's Walmsley. Jim's Walmsley. <laughs> Jim Walmsley. Jim Walmsley is a graduate of the Air Force Academy. He ran sub-29 minutes for a 10K in college, was a sub-14 5K runner. He had no business going to ultramarathons. This guy could have done it on the track if he had wanted to. But ultimately, he found love on the trail. Gosh, and isn't that the story that we're all chasing? It is. Finding love on the trail. <laughs> anyway, Jim Walmsley has set a course record at almost every 50K, 50-miler, 50 100K race he's ran slaughtered Lake Sonoma 50 mile earlier this year. He destroyed his course record. I believe it was by nine minutes. Mm -hmm. The issue with Jim is his mental state when it comes to a hundred miler. Being a track athlete, he loves going out and burning up the competition. That's just a 10K grinder way for 25 laps. But this has come back to bite him in all three attempts he's done at the hundred mile distance. At 2016, he was on record pace at Western States before taking a wrong turn at mile 93 and it destroyed him. He wasn't able to salvage the performance. He could have gone back and easily won the race because he was about an hour ahead of second place at the time, but it just killed him. And then at UTMB in 2017, he went out blazing fast, had a huge lead, and struggled to finish. And then last year at Western State, it was a weird temperature year where there was tons of snow on the ground. I was actually out at Lake Tahoe the day of the race. And it was wild. You would be at the top of a mountain. It would be 70 degrees, but there was snow everywhere. And just the combining elements, Jim getting lost at part of the course again, ended up with a DNF for him. So we're really rooting for Jim Walmsley to take the dub this year. He's a guy well-deserving, and I think it's his time. So you're taking Walmsley for the win? I am. Are you taking him for a course record? I am not. I think he's going to be a little more patient than he has in the past. He's made two record attempts, and neither has worked out. I think it's time he focuses on the win, and that could result in a record for him, but he doesn't need to have an outlandish goal where he's breaking the record by 40 minutes where he's tried the last two times. There's our man Benji, boots on the ground at Lake Tahoe last year on race day, giving you some insights. I think the Walmsley story is the reason to pay attention to Western States this year, because... You don't necessarily think of electrifying and ultramarathoning in the same sentence, but he does bring a little special element to the table. I disagree with Ben in this case. I'm going to say that he is going to run for a record, but maybe based on past performances, what he's learned there, uh, what he showed us earlier this year at Lake Sonoma, I think it might be his time to crack that record, and I just think Walmsley's personality is record breaker or bust, so we will... I can definitely see that. 
Yeah, we'll check back in with you next week on the results from how that turns out at Western. And if you're interested in Jim Walmsley and the Coconino Cowboys, they have an awesome YouTube channel uh, where they go into some of their training. But also, Outside Magazine did a great documentary on his record attempt last year at Western States. Uh, This is called Lighting the Fire. Uh, You can find it on YouTube. It's about 15 minutes long. And I highly recommend it if you're new to ultra-distance racing and want to get excited about something new. It's pretty cool to hear these guys talk and see what they go through. Yeah, Walmsley fan or not, that is a really cool uh, piece of work that they did there. And Mr. Sessions, give us a little bit about the women's race. Yeah, so the most likely champion is going to be Courtney Dawalter. She's dominated 2018, and she's been winning nonstop for the last two years. A crazy fact about her, in uh, 2018, she's already had 550 miles worth of racing. So she definitely has her mountain legs right now. We also have two returning champions. We have 2016 race champion Casey Licktig. You may know her from beating Jim Walmsley at the 2016 race when he finally got back on the trail. Last year, we saw her walk and jog through the last 20 miles to finish 16th. Uh, That was in a large part due to those crazy weather conditions. The wild card thing with her is that she was injured most of the fall. She had a pretty major injury that sidelined her for several months. We also returned Stephanie Violet, the 2014 champ, who has three Western State finishes to her name. Her first place finish in 2014, a third place finish in 2015, and a 12th place finish last year. And to build on that, one of the beautiful things about ultra racing is these are the distances where we see women have the most success head-to-head against the men. Now, Western States is a perfect segue to our next section, our summer reading list. These are our favorite books about running and life and the connection therein between as we're going to break these down into several categories. And Ben has taken you through Western States, and his first book from the list, we are going to go into the autobiography category, is of a former Western States champion. Ben, what is your recommendation for the people for an autobiography for the summer reading list about running? So, staying with that idea of trail running and ultra racing is the autobiography of Ryan Sands of South Africa. It's entitled Trailblazer. So Trailblazer takes us through Ryan Sands' early life and steps into the business world where he realizes he's not happy working a 9-to-5 job every day and needs a switch in his life. He signs up for a stage race, which if you're unfamiliar with what a stage race is, it'd be like a week-long event where each day you have a different distance you're racing and you're covering it point-to-point. And then the fastest overall time for all the distance wins. And he signs up for this just kind of as a way to switch life up for him. And he talks about how running affected him positively and with his relationship with his wife. And it's a really cool story of how running made someone's life more enriched. It also helps that he's a total badass on the trails. And when you get into where he's telling people to pack lighter and to stop being such punks, it's really funny at times. It's really cool to see this hard, edgy guy in a sport that maybe doesn't have all this edginess. So... I highly recommend Trailblazer. Yeah, neat story of a guy just going off and pursuing his passion. I could not pick one in this category because this is simply put by far my favorite category of reading. And so I narrowed it down for you a little bit in some separate subcategories. First is Marathon Man, which is Bill Rogers' autobiography subtitled My 26.2 Mile Journey from Unknown Grad Student to the Top of the Running World. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know my predisposition towards all things Boston Billy. Boston Billy. Love him. Smoke a cig. And and that's part of the story of who he was. You know, a guy who went from a cigarette chain smoker to running on his break as a teacher at lunch to quitting that job because it wasn't enough time to run to then running so much that he was waking up in the middle of the night and just eating out of jars of mayonnaise in an effort to get calories consumed. He had been a very talented runner in a younger life as a member of the Wesleyan track and field and cross-country teams with Boston champion Ambie Burfoot and then Jeff Galloway also as a teammate with Rogers. And seeing his journey from a guy who had kind of lost some direction to a Boston Marathon champion 
while splicing together that story with his remembrance of his first victory at Boston makes for a great autobiography. And I love this quote late in the book that I think says so much that we can all take away from our journey as runners, in particular as marathoners. Uh, Rogers says, quote, that's the marathon. At first, it's this unimaginable thing, like climbing Everest. The journey is hard and riddled with setbacks, but it can be conquered. The unimaginable becomes the imaginable. The impossible dream becomes just the dream. The important thing to remember is that the quest to win a marathon, or even to finish a marathon, starts where all great quests are born, within the heart. That's where it started for me. The heart is always the true starting line. And for so many of you where uh, Boston is the goal to get there and race it well, when you finally make it, it is Rogers personified. The impossible dream becomes just the dream. Also in this category, I love Running for My Life by Lopez Lemong, U.S. Olympian. Incredible tale of his journey from a lost boy, the boy soldiers of Sudan, where he was running around outside of a soccer field at a, a child soldier camp to prove himself so simply so that he could get on the soccer field. His journey of escaping from there, moving to the United States, getting adopted by a family near Syracuse, New York, and in 2008 becoming the flag bearer for the U.S. Olympic team. An amazing story of running, of faith, of perseverance, and of, of the bond among people all over the world. And Lamong was certainly a dreamer once he got here and realized just how talented he was. In the book, he says, quote, The thing about dreams is they usually sound crazy to everyone but you. All it takes is one other person to buy into them to keep you going. And that's so true. The, the person who supports you believes in you along the way and can make you a great person and great distance runner. My last one from the autobiographies is called An Honorable Run. It's by Matt McHugh, who was a very talented high school runner in Iowa who had one dream in running, and that was to walk on for the Colorado Buffaloes, a storied distance program. And this was the early 2000s, the Buffaloes at the high point of their dominance in the old Big 8, then Big 12, before they uh, later moved on to the Pac-12. And he consistently writes to Coach Mark Wetmore of Colorado. He refuses to give up on the dream. He's given a spot as a walk-on. His career at Colorado was never incredibly successful, but the connection that he made with his teammates fellow runners, and in particular his coaches along the way, really make the story here. And even after his time at Colorado, his connection with his high school coach back in Iowa really defines McHugh as a runner and as a man later on. He went on to write at uh, Runner's World, and if you get a hold of him, he actually sells this to you directly, and really cool, he will personalize the, a copy for you. And he inscribed my copy, Nothing but your best. That is certainly the lesson of an honorable run. And I like using that one because it transitions into our next category for Ben's next book. We wanted to give something that gives you a look at a journey through a season. Those stories are timeless throughout sport, and there are in particular some really great tales of running seasons. So Ben, what is your season in the life recommendation? My season in the life recommendation would be Running with the Buffaloes by Chris Lear. Classic. Yes. Running with the Buffaloes is the story of the 1998 men's cross country team at the University of Colorado. You get to follow coach Mark Wetmore and his team consisting of Steve Slattery, Adam Goucher. You see the Torres twins come on a recruiting visit during this book. All of these guys later went on to become Olympians. And it's really cool to see them in this college setting. You get to see some brash, kind of offhanded 20, 23-year-old comments. And you it's get like working with you. Exactly. <laughs> you get to see real emotion as these guys go through some hard things. You get to understand the mental struggle of training seven months, running 100 miles a week. 
in pursuit of racing on one day. And this book is ultimately all about the events that lead to this one day and what makes the Buffaloes a pack. Yeah, running with the Buffaloes is tough to beat. It's great because, as Ben said, you get the human emotion story, you get a chronicle of a great team, and you add to that real insights into training that you normally wouldn't see from a full season with a team. Chris Lear does a fantastic job. If you've read this one already, I would add to it, he also later wrote a book called Sub 4 Mm -hmm. on Alan Webb, who we chronicled in our Hayward Field episode. Webb was the Sub 4 high school miler who then went on to the University of Michigan. Lear does a behind-the-scenes look at Webb's freshman year at Michigan as he tries to build on that perfection in high school to make it even better during his time at Ann Arbor and the hardships that he faces there in a really tumultuous uh, cross-country indoor and outdoor track season. I am going to take The Animal Keepers for my season journey. Uh, This is a book by Don Benke, a legendary coach in Wisconsin. He has double-digit high school state cross-country championships uh, at Stevens Point High School. Uh, This program has brought us people like Susie Favor Hamilton, Olympian, sub-two-minute 800 runner, Chris Selinski, at one time the American 10K record holder. But Benke doesn't write about those folks who had incredible collegiate and professional careers. He focuses instead on his 1985 season and... Susie Favor is part of that, but it's the men's team featuring Scott the Animal Langley. And Scott Langley is a student with special needs who comes out to join the cross-country team without any experience in running. And we go from him losing his way on a run and getting lost out in the Wisconsin cold to him having to figure out where he would live and what would happen to him after the season. But it's the relationships he develops with his teammates and his coach that really carry the story. And it reminds me a lot of uh, some teams I had when some obscure oddball characters became the centerpiece of the team and the rallying point and unwittingly made everyone so much better. But moreover, in this story, Langley himself as a runner is improving throughout the whole season, and it's all going to culminate in Madison at the state championship on a snowy cross-country course. The Animal Keepers, absolutely spectacular read. And Chris Lear wrote a glowing review of The Animal Keepers when it came out not long ago. Let's move on to the category we're going to call the classics. Benjamin. What's your classic? My classic has been called The Running Bible. This is John Parker's Once a Runner. Um, Once a Runner is a fictional story of an athlete named Quentin Cassidy. He is a four-minute miler. Uh, Four minutes, point one second is the premise. And basically where we start in the book is Quentin and his team out for a run. They come back and... He somehow gets suckered into being part of a peaceful protest that he originally wanted nothing to do with. Quentin was called the ringleader of the group and is expelled from college. His friend and mentor, Bruce Denton, an Olympic medalist, offers to train Quentin. He moves Quentin out to the countryside in a cabin he had bought that he was working on fixing up. In exchange for labor, he allowed Quentin to live there and train in all the rolling grass hills and trails surrounding the area. This book conveys all the thoughts and feelings that anyone who's ever ran track feels. The desire to do what's not been done before, the fire inside, and just the yearning to be better than you have been. Parker writes as if he is Quentin Cassidy in the amount of detail. It's beautifully written, and it ends with one of the most climatic races I've ever read about in any book It's exciting. You'll read it over and over again. And I guarantee you, you will hit up your local track to run some 400s after (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He ran plenty of them in that one. It's hard to compete with Once a Runner, so I'm going to shift this a little bit and move away from a classic book to a book that gives us the story of a classic race. 
and that is John Brandt's Duel in the Sun about the infamous 1982 Boston Marathon duel in the stifling heat between legends of the sport Alberto Salazar and Dick Beardsley. The Salazar-Beardsley race is so famous not only because of the heat they faced that day in Boston, but also how it became a two-man duel for pretty much the final 10 miles of the race, something we don't often see in marathon running, where they went back and forth, Beardsley stalking Salazar, Salazar trying to break Beardsley. Ultimately, the race would come down to the final steps. Brandt's story splices together that day with the personal backgrounds of Salazar and Beardsley, as well as their inner demons. As runners in their low to mid-20s, it probably seemed as if 82 was a launching off point for both runners. However, it may have really been a high point that they couldn't ever recover from. Salazar had to deal with depression later in his career, and Beardsley fell into substance abuse problems, landed him as a felon. But after all that, the two men persevered, and we get to see their friendship over three decades later in A Duel in the Sun. Maybe you're getting tuned up for a fall marathon. Maybe you got a big summer 5K around the corner, July 4th race, looking for a training book to get into. Benji, what say you on training? So the training book I want to talk about isn't necessarily about your actual running. It's more about being a healthy runner. The book is called Becoming a Supple Leopard. This is a massive reference book. A tome. Okay. <laughs> becoming a supple leopard is a general strength mobility and flexibility book that's geared towards endurance athletes it's just making sure that the general athlete is opening up joints that they should be waking up muscles getting blood flow to where they need to activating stabilizer muscles and all of this just reduces the chance for injury no matter how hard you train miles you log per week workouts you've done if you can't make it to the starting line What's the point in doing all of that training? So this is a great book and reference point for anybody who's struggled with injuries. Yeah, a tremendous look into being a total athlete, not a just a runner. A supple leopard. Yes, an absolute supple leopard, much like Benjamin. <sighs> I'm going to go with Road to the Top by legendary coach Joe V. Hill. V. Hill published this training manual nearly two decades ago. He had outstanding success at Adams State in Division II with numerous national champions in track and field and cross country. Home of the Grizzlies. <laughs> he also played a great role in the Mammoth Lakes training group that developed Dina Castor and Meb Kaflesgi in the early 2000s as we kind of came out of the dark ages of American marathoning. V-Hill gives you specifics about training for events of various different distances and one tidbit in road to the top i really enjoy is his chart for mile repeat pacing had a lot of success with this working with milers two milers 5k runners and so his pacing and and recovery guide there is is really interesting plenty of great quotes from v hill he is a really great listen if you ever get the chance to see him in person author of one of my favorite quotes you don't have to be asleep to dream and he gives you a little taste of that throughout road to the top let's take a look at what's next for us what are we planning to read coming up soon for me i am excited about alex hutchinson's new book he was part of the team at runner's world for a long time and frankly one of the best reasons to read that journal uh, hutchinson has moved on now to outside magazine and taken his sweat science blog with him but he also has written a new book called Endure, and this is about the elasticity of our physical limitations and the role that our mind plays in success as distance runners. I've read some great excerpts and heard him on a couple other podcasts that I really enjoy, talking about the value of positive self-talk, uh, discussing how late in a marathon sometimes 
coming back into yourself and saying, I'm prepared, I've trained, I can do this, rather than defeating ourselves is a huge portion of our success. So I can't wait to completely get into Endure from Alex Hutchinson. Ben, what are you looking forward to? What I'm looking forward to reading isn't actually going to be printed in book format. It's going to be more of a journal. Here at the Seconds Flat Podcast, we love the Northern Arizona University cross-country team. The Jacks. The Jacks. And in particular, Matthew Baxter, who was the runner-up from the cross-country championship last fall, he is currently scribing a memoir of his high school and college running. He went through several different coaching changes, and Huey plans to go through the specifics of the dynamics with each coach he worked with. And people don't take into account necessarily that working with different coaches isn't just about the different science applied, but the different psychological takes that each person has on training and then influences the athlete with. I think it'll be really cool to see all the different coaching styles that Baxter was exposed to over his career that led him to be such a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, it'll be fun to check out all those interpersonal dynamics. And when I first heard about that, I got pretty excited. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. All right, it's World Cup time. For one month in the summer, every four years, the world focuses on soccer. Thank you. World Cup 2018 is coming at you live right now from Russia. We might need to do a podcast on how Russia gets to host the World Cup and the Winter Olympics. Let's save that for another day. All right, first, our early World Cup observations. Let's kick it off with who we're rooting for. Ben, who have you seen out there on the pitch, as they say, that has you stimulated for June, July 2018? Well, I'll take your word that that is what they say, because I have no idea. But on my mother's side, the Steger side of my family... Well-known soccer players. Oh, yes. Who come from Germany. I have a slight bias to the German national team. How are you feeling? Don't bring it up. About the recent defeat? I will not bring it up. They lost to Mexico already. But Ben has assured me of a bounce back, although he seemed unaware of the group play format and thought that their World Cup was over. I am going to pledge my allegiances for the next month to first Belgium. Put up three goals in their debut. I like the way this team plays. They have a certain pizzazz and je ne sais quoi that fire me up for a little bit of football. My other team I'm going with is Iceland. A couple big reasons here. One, really long last names on most of their players. That seems like a sign of strength to me. Two, nobody celebrates like Iceland. Their fans get after it. That is strong Viking stock. I want to see those two teams playing in the final. I'm going to tell you why Iceland won't make it to the top. (laughs) Please do. Their country is made of ice. How can they be good at a game on grass? Classic geographic fallacy, realizing that Greenland is in fact covered in ice, and Iceland is green. That seems very confusing. Other observations, things that I have noticed from really being tuned into the game here recently. One, I'm noticing a lot of full arm sleeve tattoos. A good look that we should consider here. Two, A lot of very similar haircuts. They seem to enjoy the shaved side, hard line part. Kind of push over, maybe some product in the hair. Just like our manager, Dane Simmons. It's Simmons-esque. It's Simmons-esque. And then the one that I simply can't get over is the flopping. Grown men... Well, LeBron does the same thing. LeBron gets beat on. These are grown men flopping around the ground like petulant children after they've barely been tapped and then miraculously getting up to make the next play. Sometimes they come out and they spray them with this little magic substance that gets them all back into the game. I always heard that it's not about how hard you fall, but how quick you are to rise again. (laughs) You would make a soccer star, my friend. I've also had a takeaway from the viewing. It seems all the orchestras that the teams bring to the matches... They bring orchestras? 
I think so. Their trumpets seem to have gone mute. These trumpeters just blow and blow, and it's just this subtle vibration. It sounds like a bee is being strangled. I would get rid of the Vuvuzela, and I would institute a rule by which all orchestral fans of a country are required to play one of two instruments. Those, of course, being A, the mouth organ, or harmonica, and B, the violin. No, nay, the viola. No, the cello. You either play the mouth organ or the cello to create noise in support of your team. Cool. Agreed? Good with that. Okay, fantastic. It's also NBA Draft Week, so we're going to do a little draft tie-in. And this is what we really want you to focus in on for the gift card giveaway. Benji and I are going to do a little fantasy draft. We clearly are not experts on soccer, but we want to tie the World Cup and soccer that everyone is so enthusiastic about right now back into running. So our first topic, we are going to do where would we want to go on a running vacation to a World Cup country? This will be a snake draft in which I have the first pick. This was randomized through a ping pong ball lottery. I pick first. Benjamin will then pick two countries. It will return to me for two selections. And then Ben will pick again. We each will have our top three World Cup country running destination vacations. So thinking about places we'd love to run, races we'd like to do, maybe culture, maybe food, maybe nightlife, little bingo bongo, who knows? I am on the clock right now. And with my first overall selection in the 2018 Seconds Flat World Cup destination vacation draft, I will select France. You can have it. Thank you very much. I'm going to take France first. Here's why. Obviously, the food. That's top of my list. Top priority. The baguettes, the sweets, plus racing. Ben earlier mentioned UTMB. All right. So you got the trail race there from Mont Blanc. 166K race. Beautiful scenic through the Alps bordering France, Italy, and Switzerland. 71 glaciers. 400 summits along the race course. I'll add to that, you could always run the the Paris Marathon. I have a better Paris race that I really want to do. That is the Paris to Versailles 10-miler. Get a little trip from the Eiffel Tower to the Palace at Versailles. Sounds spectacular. Let's get off the beaten path. I'm going to head north for my other race that I really like in France. The Mont-Michel Marathon, named after our dear friend St. Michael, that ends at the Normandy Abbey, an impressive French cultural landmark. Plus, I'm timing this thing up. I'm thinking next summer, 75th anniversary of the Allied landing at D-Day. Hit up Normandy, run the race, little tour of history. France, my number one selection. Ben, two picks for you. And they still won't add up to that one. My number one pick is Australia. That stings! (laughs) I had Australia so high on my list. Number one reason. I'm a huge fan of Australia's women athletics. The second reason, footy. Footy is Australian football. It's kind of a mix of rugby, soccer, and football. Way more intense than those games. A lot faster paced. Really cool clubs. They actually just started a women's federation down there, which is really cool. It started in 2016. And my third reason, the toilet water goes the other direction. Is that actually true? I think so. Okay. I do. do. And that wasn't actually my last reason. My last reason is the Melbourne Track Club, who has a story of success on the track and I've been following them ever since I started running with Craig Mottram all the way up to now Ryan Gregson destroying the 1500 meters. Big fan of that group and Nick Bido is coach. Man, you just took one right out of my grasp there. 
And it's particularly painful because of my well-known passion for marsupials. Most of the running community already understands that at least two of my top five animals in the world are Australian natives. Plus, you have the Gold Coast Marathon, which I think would be a beautiful run. That's going to hurt. But Ben takes Australia. Ben, your next pick. I'm going with Switzerland. You have to be kidding me. Home of the Alps. UTMB, as you mentioned earlier, runs through there. Home of Julian Wanders, our seconds flat running half marathon man crush. You got the coolest flag, in my opinion, in Europe. Incredible flag. Yeah. A free people. That's big for us Americans. Yes, absolutely. It is a liberty-loving nation. Swiss cheese. I'm not a cheese fan, but I can get behind some cheese with holes in it because that's less cheese. Yeah, this one is disappointing for me, and I feel like I should have taken one of these two off the top, and I think you would have passed on France, but I just craved France so much. I thought Switzerland, you got the mountains, the lakes, the running in the forests. You got the sophistication of Zurich. You have German, Italian, and French culture and food all commingling there. I know, that's why I chose it. Yeah, you made a great selection. And with those two off the board, I'm going to really have to regroup and refocus here. I have two picks now, correct? Yes, you do. Wow, I don't even know if I want them. And this is the disappointing thing. How does Italy not make the World Cup? I thought they were fantastic at this sport. I would slide right in with Italy now, but I can't. So I'm going to South America. I'm taking Argentina. Home of Lionel Messi, purported to be quite talented at the sport of soccer. Imagine a getaway to Argentina, trail running in Patagonia. That sounds pretty fantastic to me. Yes. Not as big on the race scene as some of the European countries where we think of destination races, but Argentina, Messi, Patagonia, that's my second pick. I have France... I have Argentina. I'm going completely off the board. High upside pick here. I'm taking Croatia. Whoa. I have heard beautiful scenery in Croatia. The mountains, the coastline along the Adriatic, some of the most stunning vistas in all of the world. Since you drove a dagger into my heart with both Australia and Switzerland, I have to take my reach high-end upside pick and go Croatia. So my team, France, Argentina, Croatia, and as I say it back to myself, I am disappointed on multiple levels. Ben, you're up. So my final pick is going to be my homeland, Germany. I thought you were going to say Malden. No, no, no. They sadly didn't make it. Home of the jawline, home of the Autobahn. Jürgen Ziegler. Jürgen Ziegler, mm-hmm. the shaved sides haircut, mm. big beers, and fast cars. Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, the Berlin Marathon. I'm asking myself, why didn't I pick this one too right now? I mean, Germany just tears down barriers. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. I'd like to go to Germany, uh, mostly as a way to see where my family comes from. I think it'd be really cool to get to see what sort of place they lived in. little taste of the heritage. Exactly, yes. To wrap up the first draft, Ben has Australia, Switzerland, and Germany. I have taken France, Argentina, and Croatia. I feel like I might have lost. (laughs) Second draft, we are now going to compile a team of runners from three different World Cup countries. Rules here. They cannot all be competitors in the same events. These are track and field or road racing athletes. You can't have three who all did the same event. Each country can only be used once, so we can't go to the same country for a different runner. Oh, this is going to be difficult. Ben has the first selection here since I took the first selection in the previous draft. Looking back, I wish I had traded down for several picks and future considerations. You're up. My first choice is Morocco's Hissam El Garouge, owner of the 1500 meter world record and mile world record at 343. 
He was a 1,500-meter and 5,000-meter Olympic champion. His record has been untouched for over 15 years. He continues to be involved in social media, offering advice to young runners. He shaped what distance running looks like today. He could very well be argued as the greatest middle distance runner of all time. And I believe that was a wise selection up top. I got two picks now. Yes, sir. I am first going to go to England. (sighs) Now, the question is, where do I go in England? Oh, goodness. There's multiple options. There's so many choices. I narrowed it down to two, ultimately. One being Sir Mo. Yep. Mo Farah. Tremendous success at the 5K and 10K and now moving up to the marathon. But I didn't take him. I know who you picked, and I'm so mad you did. I went Sebastian Coe. Oh, you didn't pick who I thought you'd pick. Where'd you think I was going? Paula Radcliffe. Paula Radcliffe, world record holder in the marathon. I went Seb Coe. That's a great choice. Here's why. Four-time Olympic medalist in 80 and 84. He's got double golds in there. He broke the world record in the 800, 1500, and mile in a span of within 41 days. He broke all three of those world records. He also simultaneously held the 1K world record. So eight... A K, 15, and a mile. He was the world record holder. His 800-meter world record stood from 1981 all the way to 1997. Sebastian Coe of England is my first pick. Next selection. Frankly, I'm doing this now only to get back at you for the last round. I'm going to Australia. Oh, no. I'm going to Australia. (laughs) And I am taking Ron Clark. Ooh. Who would you have gone with from Australia? Craig Mottram. No, you like him. Ron Clark is as good as anyone who ever lived who doesn't have a gold medal. Bronze medalist in the 1964 10K when he was upset in Tokyo by here comes Billy Mills down the stretch. Clark was the world record hold in the three-mile the 5K, the 10K, the 10-mile, and the 20K. And let me take that up one step. He set all of those records in one season, 1965. Ron Clark, Seb Coe, my two picks. Great picks. You're back up, Benji. All right, so with this organizing a team thing, I decided not to just go for accolades but on the type of individual I would want on my team. So you didn't actually want good athletes. You I wanted, wanted average athletes. athletes who were good people. Yeah, that's why my next pick was going to be you. That's how you win championships right there. Actually, I chose a guy for my next pick who's not afraid to throw an elbow or two. This is Francis McCasey Benabad. Benabad is famous for his 2011 Rome Diamond League fist fight after the steeplechase. <laughs> this guy is good for team camaraderie. I think his willingness to go to arms will be beneficial to our team because he'll stand up for his brothers. He was headbutted at the end of this race by another athlete who he apparently had cut in on during the race, and he was quick to throw some fists. And I think some villainy spices it up a little bit. I like the dark side of the force personally. He's a stellar runner. He was third place at the Rio Olympics in the steeplechase. That same year, he was the European champion before becoming DQ'd for taking his singlet off down the straightaway. This guy is just a total badass, and I love him. Speaking of taking his singlet off down the straightaway, Ben is now topless in the studio, for those of you listening at home. This is because Travis turns the air conditioning off, so you don't hear it. If I had a France pick here, and I, I love the pick for entertainment value. He, he's, that is another upside pick. Uh, The draft experts described him as having a high motor. I would go from France. I would take the world record holder in the pole vault, Renaud Lavillanet. 20 feet, 2.5 inch pole vaulter, 2012 gold, 2016 silver, three-time world indoor champion, if I had a French pick. Could you say his name one more time? I can't. There is. (laughs) Dang it. I'm completely unable to repeat that. So this next choice isn't based off of what this person necessarily has already done, but what steps they've taken for what's coming. Oh, it's the potential pick. The potential pick. You're swinging for the fences. I'm going with a young buck. We've mentioned him on this podcast before. 
In my opinion, he's the future of European marathoning. This is Switzerland's Julian Wanders. Wow. That might be a reach. He's got a future on him. But there are a lot of talented, established athletes still on the board, still waiting in the green room to hear their name called. Well, I didn't call their name. I chose the 22-year-old who was seventh at the World Champs in the half marathon, uh, who has a bright future on the roads, who's training and living in Kenya. He's a disciple of the sport. He never shows up to a race and doesn't perform. And his transparency makes me root for a guy like him who posts his training and allows people to know, like, hey, I'm a clean athlete. This is what I'm doing. There's no secret. Love him. And he's a role model for a lot of young kids, I think, in that way. Nice pick. Thank you. I have one left. I'm choosing between two marathoners. Japanese legend Toshihiko Seiko, one of the premier marathoners of the late 70s and early 80s, had a great string of undefeated big-time marathons, was world record holder at 25 and 30K, records that stood for 30 years. He's got Boston Championships, of course, record holder there for a while. Really, the reason I love him is this quote from Seiko. The marathon is my only girlfriend. I give her everything I have. Relatable. But I'm going to go Portugal. On the female side, Rosa Mota. 1988 Olympic gold medalist in the marathon. 1984 bronze medalist. Three times Boston champion. One at London. Twice victorious at Chicago. And the only woman in world history to be the reigning champion all at once in the European Championships, World Championships, and Olympics. Mota of Portugal rounds out the team for me to go with Seb Coe and Ron Clark. Your group again, Benjamin? Hissamo Garouge, Mikasey Benabad, and Julian Wanders. There you have it. Here's what we're going to do for the gift card giveaway. $20 gift card to our presenting sponsor, Run In. Send an email to secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Include in there your running destination vacation from a World Cup country. The best one we get will be the winner of the $20 gift card. Next episode on the podcast, we have American record holder in the 25-kilometer race, Christo Landry, joining us for an insightful interview. We can't wait to be back with you next time. For Ben, this is Travis. This has been the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Have a great week.